0: The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. Our sermon text this morning is in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation a people for God's own possession, that you would proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were a, not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the second in the series of five sermons on the Strategy by which we seek to accomplish our mission as a church. And as you know, our mission is to spread a passion for the supremacy of God in all things for the joy of all peoples through Jesus Christ. And this series is asking the question, how, of the mission statement. So that's why it's strategy. So, how do we do that as a local church? And uh, our answer is, is this. Our strategy, by the grace of God, is to make disciples of Jesus Christ who gladly glorify God together in five lifelong priorities. Worship, belong, grow, serve, and go. And as I said last week, we find those five words helpful and a holistic categorical description of the priorities of, mat- of a maturing disciple of Jesus, and it's the multiplication of maturing disciple- disciples of Jesus that is the means by which we spread a passion for the supremacy of God all over, near and far, in the church, in our families, and all around the world. So last week, I sought to call you to the first discipleship priority. Worship. Since God, by His grace, has given us new life to see His glory and to know Him through faith in Christ, let us devote ourselves to joyfully worship Him in all of life, individually and corporately. That was last week. And so now this morning... The second priority we're calling belong. I'll read it for you. Since God has chosen us and united us by faith into one body in Christ, let us devote ourselves to love one another in covenant community. Before I pray, let me just say one thing about this message. The statement breaks up into two halves. The one you could call the ground or the foundation and the other is the, the implication or the application of that ground. Since God has chosen us and united us by faith into one body in Christ, that's the foundation, that's the ground. That's really where my message this morning is going to focus. Since that's true, let us devote ourselves to love one another in covenant community. That would be the, the application, the, the fruit, the implications of the reality in the first half of the sentence where we'll spend most of our time, almost all of our time this morning. So let me pray. Father, help us. I pray that this, that this glorious text would, would make sense and be a foundation underneath our Lives that we wouldn't be blown around and feel like we have no place to belong and we have no sense of identity and and no common mission, but rather I pray that you would drive it home deep into our souls as ballast in our boat, that we belong to you. We are your people, bought with the blood of Christ, and you have given us an identity and a shared mission together. And I pray that you would just burn that in such that we would live together as your people together here at this local church with all the applications of love for one another and forgiveness and forbearance and, and, and and that that entails. Help us now in Jesus' name, amen. David Brooks The New York Times columnist and author and commentator offered an analytical description of several current realities in our American culture. It's in the book called Second Mountain that he explains what he calls the rise of tribalism as a counterfeit to a healthy sense of belonging and community. And let me just comment on the word tribalism. I'm using that word. It has, I mean, the word as I'm using it, as he's using it, it's not talking about Native American tribes. It's talking about tribalism. 21st century American tribalism. So it's really not a comment on the Native American way of life. It's a comment on this thing that is helpfully labeled I'm adding 21st century American tribalism. And few would argue with his observation that in the last 50 years, American society has fallen into, he calls it a social valley, with, quote, the embrace of, hyper, of a hyper-individualistic way of life. And he says, quote, Hyper individualism has led to a society where people live further and further apart from one another socially, emotionally, and even physically. And now, from this point, he argues, we face a fourfold crisis coming from this hyper individualism that has gripped American culture for the last 50 years. We face a fourfold crisis. First, we now have what he calls a loneliness epidemic, yielding things like a marked increase in depression and isolation and despair and suicide, alarmingly even among very young people. Second crisis, he calls a generalized sense of distrust, That is a widespread belief that no person or group can be trusted except yourself. Third, he calls a crisis of meaning due to the loss of shared morality and the loss of shared purpose for living. And fourth, most directly to our topic this morning... Brooks observes a crisis in the rise of what he calls tribalism. And of this he writes, people who are left naked and alone by radical individualism revert to tribe. One of the key ways he describes tribalism as creating unity is by identifying common enemies and waging war against them. And he says, quote, tribalism seems like a way to restore the bonds of community. It certainly does bind people together, but it actually is the dark twin of real community. I believe the vaccination to counterfeit community in the church, or tribalism in the church, is and ought to be the genuine community that God has given us in Christ. This is a gift. I mean, I so struggled with words that God has given this. I, this is. I, I want to give you this gift. God has given us the gift of belonging. By his grace. You belong. Boom. (laughs) You belong. Boom. And so, you know, I think of the anxiety of the junior high lunchroom. You know, you have it. Where do I belong? And and then adolescence in junior high and then early 20s. You know, just everybody needs to belong. I mean, this side of downtown is full of people wearing purple. They belong, right? it doesn't satisfy, it doesn't last. God has made us to belong to him. Individually and together, you are the body of Christ. Individually and members of it together. He's given us this gift of belonging. So our call is, it's like sanctification. We are sanctified. So then the commands come in. Be sanctified. (laughs) Live accordingly. You belong. 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 Live it out. That's where I'm coming from. I'll read the sentence. Here's the sentence. Belong. Priority number two. Since God has chosen us and united us by faith into one body in Christ, let us devote ourselves to love one another in covenant community there I read it again so now from 1 Peter 2 let's look at four descriptions in the text that describe everyone who is in Christ and give us both a sense of belonging and identity and common purpose and they're interweaving so I'm not going to separate those let's just look at these one at a time Number one, I'm going to begin each of them with a, you belong. You belong to a chosen race. Peter had just described unbelievers in verse 8 as saying, well, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. And now verse 9, but, speaking to believers, you are a chosen race. You are a chosen race. Now to anyone acquainted with Judaism you, you would think This is audacious Peter's writing to a Probably largely Gentile church Let's say it's a mix of Jews and Gentiles And he's, he's writing to them saying You are a chosen race If, you, if It's audacious if you know anything about Judaism Ju- No Israel is the chosen people But Peter comes in With this reality That's true, that's ours in the New Covenant. All believers are a chosen race, a a people that God has chosen for himself before the foundation of the world. And and these chosen people aren't identified by a, a shared biological lineage. No, these common people are united in the fact that they share a common grace of having been chosen by God from before the foundation of the world. Peter addresses the letter, 1 Peter, this way. He says, To those who are elect exiles, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood, First Peter 1, 1 and 2. You belong to a chosen race. If you, if you trust Jesus right now, you belong to a chosen race of people, a chosen lineage. <laughs> mm. The lineage is faith. And, and you think, well, why is this? Is it is it because what did I? Is it because I know it's because I found God first. It's because I'm smarter than all those. You gotta love God's own t- description of why He chose His people. It's it's just full of sovereign grace. I'm gonna read it. Deuteronomy seven. God's explaining to Israel why he chose them. And by implication, he's he's explaining to us why we are a chosen race. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you are the fewest of all people. Then here comes the reason. But it is because the Lord loves you. (laughs) The reason that you're in Christ today is because God chose you. And why did he choose you? Because he loves you. Why does he love me? Why does he love you? He loves you because he loves you. That's the reason. You didn't deserve it. Clearly. You didn't earn it. It's sovereign grace. Sovereign love. That's what it means to be a chosen People loved by God. As those who believe in Christ today, you belong. You belong. You're God's chosen people. Love from before the foundation of the world. A chosen race. Be humbled. Give thanks. Boast not. Belong. Number two, you belong to a royal priesthood. See it there in verse 9? The Apostle John in Revelation chapter 1 uses very similar wording in praising Christ. He says, to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests, to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. By his blood made us a kingdom, priests. Kingdom priests, royal priesthood. It's royal because God is sovereign over all and we are his children. You know, there's the song, we'll never be royals. We are royals. We are royals. Children of the king. And not only that, the the Bible tells us that when Christ rose from the dead, he sat at God's right hand to reign over all things as Lord of lords and King of kings. And Ephesians 2 6 says that when Christ rose, we rose with him and are seated on the throne of the right hand of God the Father in Christ. So this royal part of our priesthood is due to us as children of the king of kings, the sovereign over all, and is due to us because in Christ we reign with him at the right hand of God right now. And it's a priesthood. You belong to this royal priesthood because... As a priest, you have direct access to God. You can come straight to God through Jesus. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. And let's not forget why we pray in Jesus' name. We come directly to God through Jesus. We offer our prayers. We don't don't need another priest to get in the way. Priests would stand between God and the people. We go straight to the Son of God. Were priests. And not only that, as priests would mediate the, the Word of God and the grace of God to, to the wider world, to the people. So we mediate the grace of God, the gospel of God, representing God as ambassadors of the, of the King, as priests. We bring God's message to the world. So you are a chosen race. You are also a royal priesthood. Third, you belong to a holy nation. This this new nationality supersedes every other one. A holy nation. This is this is the the word in the Great Commission uh, people groups, a holy group of people made up of all the people groups of the earth, every tribe and tongue. And so when we think of our citizenship, and we even think of just nationalism, our primary citizenship, our prim- primary nation is not the place of our birth or the, the place of our passport. But our nation is... The nation of God, the kingdom of God, a kingdom that cannot be shaken by culture wars or elections or invasions or bombs or evil rulers or any earthly calamity. We belong to a holy nation. And no matter how friendly or hostile our culture gets toward Christians at any given time, we got to get this. We will always be sojourners, strangers, green card holders here in this earth. Because our citizenship is in heaven. We're immigrants. And I mean, I mean every day it seems I get an email about Christians being killed somewhere in this world. Until Jesus returns and he splits the sky like lightning from east to west and he returns to establish his kingdom, it's only then that we will say the kingdom of this earth has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Not until then. But oh, we belong to a holy nation right now. Holy. Holy nation, holy, set apart. The word means set apart for God, set apart for God's purposes. So we're set apart for God and for his glory and we're set apart. And this is where the implications for living out the obedience of faith, obeying Jesus and living holy lives comes in. We we show that we're set apart for God by living according to his righteousness and his rules and his commands. I mean, this is why in 2.11, 1 Peter 2.11, two verses later, Peter moves right into, uh, I'll read it, First uh, Peter 2.11. Behold, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Fight sin. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers... They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. He goes on, it's just a call to be holy means you are set apart already, be holy. Live as set apart ones according to the holiness and character of God in all that we do is we fight sin and live for his glory. You belong to a holy nation. Not, not only a chosen race, not only a royal priesthood, but also you belong to a holy nation. Now, fourthly, I almost wrote this, in, in, I mean, the way I wrote it is so redundant. I'll just read it the way I put it. <laughs> you belong to God as a people for his own possession. What do you call some, <laughs> something that is God's possession? You just say it belongs to him. Anyway, so, you belong to God. Point number four, you belong to God. Verse nine again, you are a people for his own possession. The NIV transit, a people belonging to God. I was talking to a young couple who was planning their wedding and We're just talking about the beginning of the ceremony and how the processional music begins, and the congregation stands, and the bride comes down the aisle uh, with her father, and oftentimes with her mother as well. And then they stop right in front of me, and uh, I give a word of welcome and a prayer, and then I speak this question, which invariably causes the father of the bride to tear up Who gives this woman to be married to this man? and as I was explaining this, the bride-to-be said, I don't want that in my wedding. I was told that that question means the daughter is just a piece of property, like a chair, that belongs to her father. I don't want that. Oh my. Does that question mean that Parents consider their children as property, like a chair to be given away at a garage sale? Or when, when a baby <laughs> stops crying because uh, they know they belong to the mother who picks them up? Is that because, oh, I'm just a piece of property, you know? I just, no. know. When a pregnant mother puts her hand on her stomach and says, you know, my baby is moving around today. (laughs) Property? No. When, as a dad, I laid my eyes on our sons for the first time and our daughter for the first time deep within, I, I, I knew this is my child. This child belongs to me. And I even remember thinking, we bring them home from the hospital and they stay with us like, this isn't babysitting. (laughs) This is for keeps. (laughs) And each child will soon be able to say, Mama, Daddy, and my Mama, my Daddy. Belonging. Belonging is a very powerful thing. And it's not not about property. It's about kinship and love and commitment. It's the opposite of radical individualism. Verse 10. Once you were not a people... But now you are God's people. Now you are a people belonging to him. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Malachi 3.17 calls us God's treasured possession. Revelation 5.9 tells us that Christ, this is this is slavery language, redemption language. Christ Christ purchased us for God out of slavery to sin. He purchased us for God to belong to God by his blood. Revelation five nine. <laughs> you belong to God. You belong to God by by his sovereign grace, election, predestination, the death of Christ, the reality of the gospel, the sealing of the Holy Spirit. You belong to God. And in belonging, oh, how we have an unshakable confidence because God is our God and we are his people. We belong to him. I'll give you just one verse that is so rich with. When you don't feel like you belong, you belong. Isaiah 43 1. Fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. Got to hear it now. You are mine. You belong to me, God says. So when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flame will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God. And you belong to me. So, there it is. We belong to God. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. And then our text moves on to proclaim the purpose for which God has done this. And the purpose in the Bible that God does everything He does is for the glory of His name. And verse 9 makes it clear that God's purpose in saving us is, and uniting us into this one people who belong to Him in Christ is verse 9b, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. I could say the purpose for which He has made us to belong to Him rolls right back to last week's sermon so that we will worship him. We live for his glory. Proclaiming his excellencies is a beautiful way to say it. Uh, The same word translated excellencies here is in Philippians 4, 8. Uh, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, And here it is. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Excellence, namely things that are worthy of praise. So here the call that we would glorify God is described as proclaiming the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Well, what, what excellencies might they be, <laughs> these excellencies that we enjoy as, as his people, the excellencies of his grace, the excellencies of his salvation, the excellencies of his beauty, of his honor, of his word, of his mercy, of his power, of his justice. The excellencies of all that he is in his glory. There's our mission. I could say, well, it sounds like we exist to spread a passion for the supremacy of God in all things for the joy of all peoples through Jesus Christ. Now, I need to close with applications and implications and uh, we take a run at it. So at the moment of conversion, by the grace of God and power of the gospel and inner work of the Spirit, you you are transformed. You're born again into a true worshiper of God, as we saw last week. Now, upon your conversion, by the grace of God, you discover, you, you wake up to the fact that you belong to God. And to his very own people in Christ. Here's a sentence that my assistant, Matt Moore, he had heard me just, just ruminating on this great reality of the fact that we belong to God in Christ and therefore we are empowered to belong to one another. And so he found this sentence and he sent it to me yesterday, I think, from Herman Bobig, theologian. In his book called The Wonderful Works of God, here's the sentence. This is, this is what I'm on. From the first moment of regeneration, the believer is apart from his will and apart from his own doing, incorporated into a great whole, taken up into a rich fellowship. He is member of a new nation and citizen of a spiritual kingdom. That's it. (laughs) By the grace of God, by being born again, we're born into this chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, a people belonging to God. And in that new people, we proclaim His excellencies. And that is not 21st century American tribalism. The church is not a community based on identified common enemies, like, we're not that. Kind of a fake unity. No, rather, the church is a people loved by God before the foundation of the world. Loved by Christ who laid down his life for us. Filled with the Holy Spirit, gathered into one people, one body in Christ, one household of faith. The Bible uses several words to describe it. The words of our text, and we belong. We're defined by common God, common worship, common savior, common spirit. Not not that bad guy. Common grace. Since God has chosen us and united us by faith into one body in Christ, let us devote ourselves to love one another in covenant community. So we belong. Priority number two is, so belong. (laughs) Live it out. Flesh it out. So Kenny, what does that mean? Get more practical. (laughs) I'll go to Colossians 2.12 because it's saying... It's doing the practical result of the message that I just gave. We, we preached on this about a, week ago, about a week ago, about a year ago. Colossians, I said 2.12? 3.12. Colossians 3.12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. I could say put on then as God's royal priesthood, holy nation, people belonging to God, compassionate hearts, kindness, Humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving one another as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Oh, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you were indeed called in one body. And be thankful. Colossians three twelve through fifteen. That's application straight out of the Bible. The pieces of that calling are in First Peter. Implications. I want to get to implications. There is no verse in the Bible that says uh, attenders of Bethlehem Baptist Church become members of Bethlehem Baptist Church. There's no verse like that. So I say this by way of implication. Since you belong to God and belong, therefore, to His people, an implication of that is belong to the local assembly, the local church. Belong. Become a member. Become a member here. It's an implication. Flowing from the, the doctrine and the application to formally commit in covenant membership with one another. And again, I'm saying it's not a command, but it's a strong implication from the text. And other texts that make clear that the church knows who's part of the church and who's not part of the church. There's a membership class on September 9th. If you're not a member, especially if you've been coming here for more than whatever, for more than six months, be a member among the local body of believers with whom you worship, commit. And then the second implication to belonging, to the fact that we belong, is belong to a small group, belong to a class where you can be known and others can know you and all those one another dynamics of the gospel that are to be part of our fellowship come into play where you are in a context where you can love others and they can love you. You can be known. and You can pray together for burdens. And... So two implications. Commit to covenant membership. Devote yourself to covenant membership and uh, join a small group a class, a smaller group of believers here where you can be known. Father in heaven, thanks so much for your word. <laughs> this, is, this is rock solid gospel reality. We belong. We belong to you and we belong to you together and therefore we belong to one another brothers and sisters in Christ, fellow members of the body of Christ. We live together as your people in your household of faith. So, may we know it in its truth and in its grounding stability, and may we live it out as we lean in to belong to one another all for the glory of your name and for our joy and the spreading of your excellencies to the world, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church or write us at 720-13th Avenue South, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55415. Bethlehem Baptist Church, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples through Jesus Christ.